Welcome to PwC's Next in Health podcast. This is Ben Isger, leader of PwC's Health Research Institute. And today, my co-host is Trina Tsideros, who leaves HRI's Regulatory Center. Welcome, Trina. Thanks for having me, Ben. Well, thanks for joining. And Trina, we have a special guest today, Gapreet Singh, who leads our U.S. Health Industries Health Services Practice. Welcome, Gapreet. Thank you, Ben. Great. Well, I think today what we want to focus on is some of the topics that came up in our recent report, Top Health Industry Issues, which we put out every year. And this report looks at the trends that are most likely to shape the U.S. health industry in the year ahead. And this time, I think one thing that I noticed, and that I think everyone probably noticed, is that digital transformation is a thread that kind of weaves through every single one of the trends we identified. And so I'm wondering, Gapreet, if you can talk a little bit about where the health industry is vis-a-vis digital transformation. We've been hearing about digital transformation for a while, but I feel like that trend in particular is sort of picking up and accelerating partially due to the pandemic. So I wonder if you can talk a little bit about that. Thanks, Trina. You know, if we look back in 2020, there was a lot of talk about virtual and digital and when is it really going to take off? And this is pre-pandemic. I think what's happened towards March and then now coming into 2021 is a real acceleration of the digital capabilities that many of our clients need. And, you know, one of the things I would say is that we all know that, you know, virtual visits really took off in the first few months of the pandemic. Um, One institution I talked to, which is a national provider in the United States, went from about 3,000 virtual visits pre-pandemic to, in May, about 270,000 virtual visits just in the month alone. And as you can tell, right, that's an amazing explosion of usage of virtual and technology. Now, that organization was prepared for that explosion and an increase in demand in virtual visits and telemedicine, but not all institutions were ready for that demand flow. Now, as we look in 2021, many of the organizations that we've been talking to say that they believe that their new normal will be something like 25% of their visits will be virtual. That's up from about 3% pre-pandemic. And so what that means is most organizations need to be thinking about the implementation of the various capabilities and channels that allow us as patients and consumers to conveniently access the health system. And it's not just about providers. Many payers and retail institutions in the health space are looking at how they can build these new capabilities you know, quickly, but with efficiency. Another aspect that we've started to see with virtual visits is profitability. So the journey, if you will, that consumer products companies look at, consumer journeys, those have to be designed as part of the health journey. So when in the pre-pandemic world, when you would visit your doctor physically, you would have your appointment and then you'd have a checkout, right? At that checkout, you would likely be able to set up your second appointment. Maybe you'd set up a x-ray or a lab or what have you. That experience doesn't necessarily exist in virtual. And so coming up with what those moments that matter, what those are and what when you need to really make sure that you achieve a delightful experience for consumers is really important in addition to implementing the technology. And maybe the last thing I would say around technology and digital is the concept of CRM or what we would call in our report digital relationship management. And digital relationship management is all about proactive reach out to consumers and patients. And again, in many other industries, consumer products is an example, customer relationship management has been a topic of of capability for many years. But it is something that's a bit newer in 2021 in looking at how you could proactively reach out to consumers. Take a simple use case, for example, you know, in this time of vaccinating patients, 
it's a two dose regimen in many cases. And so for that second dose, you have to reach out proactively and you have to have a database that supports that proactive reach out. So coming up with those capabilities will be really important in 2021. Great. It's an, it's an astonishing change that we've seen over the last year. Just one other theme that is kind of related to the pandemic is resilience. And I think we've seen the importance of that over the last year for the health system. I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about that, Capreed, about what do we see health systems thinking about or health organizations thinking about in 2021 when it comes to making themselves more resilient? The resilience aspect of, of health and health services is really important. We talk a lot about digital and new capabilities, but ultimately profitability is one of the most important things that we need to consider for the health landscape. Variability of demand, it's very hard to predict these days, right? So when you think about hospitals that have had to turn off elective procedures or have had to focus on vaccination or have had to treat COVID patients and, you know, seeing high utilization of intensive care unit areas. And so that fluctuation of demand makes it really hard to manage your bottom line and manage your cost composition. And so what we would say is that healthcare forecasting is those capabilities to forecast ahead of demand is, are going to be really important. And we found in our survey that about 85% of the health services provider executives said that it would be investing more in predictive modeling and 76% of pharmaceutical executives and 62% of payer executives said they would be doing the same. What that essentially means is trying to better understand what that demand flow will be and then utilizing that demand flow to better understand your cost base. In one health system that we talked with, they actually said, look, we're looking at real estate and we're looking at taking a hard look at the expenses that we have around real estate for our administrative function. So as an example, in HR, finance, and IT, many of them are working virtually today. And so they're looking at maybe a 50 to 70% reduction in their real estate footprint for the next year for administrative labor. And actually, they may use hopefully that cost savings and put that back towards the virtual channel. And so that's another example of resilience when thinking about how you manage profitability and how you manage your overall economics. Well, Capri, I'd like to play off of uh, the questions that Trina was asking. And, I, and you mentioned that there's been a lot of investing in modeling. There's an explosion of virtual health growth. And you made a lot of key points about how that's changing, you know, the aperture of what providers are looking at. Could we bring in the whole ecosystem, though? Like what, what should we expect are some of the changes that these will have also on pharma life sciences and, and payers? What does it do to the larger ecosystem? Thanks, Ben. That's a great question. And when thinking about the ecosystem, I, th I guess the term that I think about is don't go it alone. And what I mean by that is in order to really serve patients as consumers, you're going to need to actually have partnerships that cut across payers, providers, and pharmaceuticals. And just to maybe illustrate that with an example, you know, many that suffer from diabetes or other chronic care illnesses need treatment, not just in the acute care setting in the physician's office, but they also need to track their insulin levels. They need to track their glucose levels. And so as a result, you know, you're probably going to have a digital therapeutic, a device that might be connected to your phone that's probably implemented by a medical device or a pharmaceutical company. And a payer might be looking at a per member per month reimbursement to hopefully reduce the cost of care. And so when thinking about that example, you need to have at least three of the players working together to create an environment, an ecosystem system, if you will, that allows for a better patient experience. 
You know, I think one of the things that that comes up when we talk about digital transformation and the move to digital for health is just access to it and, and the fact that access to internet and even experiences online are different and uneven across the country. I know health organizations are really aware of this and and I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about what they are doing to address this sort of uneven patchiness of access to bandwidth, to digital devices, and, and even just different experiences online. I think one thing that we have learned around the explosion of virtual and telemedicine is that experience is really important. We looked at and did a customer survey as part of our top issues survey, and we found that there actually are some complications. Over 50% of the consumers said they had a technical issue when engaging with the health system, you know, through a telemedicine consult or through virtual mm-hmm. care. And that's largely because of the technical experience that the consumer may have. The computing, the Wi-Fi, the internet connectivity that's necessary all needs to come together to work well. And as we know, for many of us, even in our daily lives, our virtual world requires us to have a lot more training and a lot more capability. And so one of the things that many of our health clients are looking at is how do I create maybe an upskilling environment internally for my employees so that I can better treat patients. But they're also looking at communities and finding ways to educate in local communities so that you can actually achieve better results. We've even found examples where health systems are actually providing smartphones or other capabilities so that people actually can have a better experience. And even in the hospital at home market, if you will, in the acute care setting and even in the long-term care setting, providing technology training and education to patients that require it. And one of the areas that we found a significant amount of growth for virtual is in you know mental health. And that's a perfect example where you can provide training, you can actually provide a reasonably good service. And during the mental health care space, like doing it over virtual actually allows you to have better and more convenient access. I'd like to go back to something you mentioned at the top of our podcast, and that was around the concept of resiliency. And looking ahead in 2021, how health organizations can manage that tension between resiliency and efficiency. And just thinking about one example, you know, supply chains and how we've moved to these very efficient just-in-time supply chains, but are they effective during a time of a pandemic or natural disaster? How should health organizations be thinking about resiliency in the years ahead while also prepping for the next natural disaster or pandemic around the corner. Resilience clearly is an important topic, and we discussed a little bit earlier about how health organizations need to forecast better. But to your point, there are other things that they need to be on top of as well. We're going to find in 2021 and in the years beyond that the portfolios, if you will, are going to get reshaped. And what I mean by that is we would expect to see more deal and M&A activity in both the provider and the payer space, in particular, to create service and to help the communities that they serve. We found you know, some examples where an academic medical center is merging with a faith-based institution. That typically doesn't happen. But you know, the reason that this organization is doing that is to help care for the community that they serve and to have a bit more local presence around that community that they serve. You know, similarly to your point, supply chains also need to be redesigned. And during the pandemic, I think we found that exposure to, you know, international supply chains created a delay. And so many are looking at how do I look at domestic manufacturers? How do I look more creatively at my supply chain? How do I look more creatively at my group purchasing organizations so that I can create a better network that allows them to be more cost efficient, but hopefully a better cycle time as well? 
How about collaborations, Capri? What kinds of partnerships, new collaborations are you expecting to see in 2021 that might be surprising to our listeners? I'm super excited about the prospect of more collaboration across our ecosystem. You know, I think one thing that we talked about earlier was let's not go it alone. But I think the collaborations and the potential ventures that might occur in those intersections will be actually a great opportunity. So think about digital health, digital therapeutics, maybe remote monitoring. We're also finding that in the year 2021, we'll see a number of infrastructure plays, you know, to create interoperability and be able to share data across organizations. You know, one of the ways that we can hopefully better treat patients is to actually predict when an ailment might occur. And with using more wearable technologies and Internet of Things technologies, we will see more predictive algorithms that allow us to predict, let's say, when I might be pre-diabetic or when I'm about to get a migraine or maybe things that I can do to reduce threat of cardiovascular issues and failure. And so I think all of those aspects will become very important for 2021. And we will see some companies that will IP or go public because they're hopefully helping treat patients in their home in a virtual setting and using technology. Well, Gapreet, we wanted to end on kind of a a fun future-looking question for you. And that is often there's a technology or process that might be around in the current time that we can't even contemplate how it's going to be used in the future, how it may change our systems. And one could give examples like the smartphone, for example. We we couldn't predict all the things that was going to be used for. Is there any technology or process that you're seeing now in the health system that might be a future catalyst for change going forward that, that maybe we're not thinking about? I might give you one that maybe not as future looking, but still might be interesting. And then another one might that might be more sort of technology driven. When we were talking about virtual visits and how to coordinate that appropriately, one of the things that we found in the financial services space is, you know, typically you and I might have a financial advisor that kind of directs us through our journey, if you will, to make sure that we're making the right investments and the right decisions for our family. Well, you know, I think it's very appropriate to be thinking about that in the healthcare context. And so what we found in our research is about 51% of consumers want a care coordinator, someone that can help coordinate their health decisions. And we'll find that that is something that can be interlinked with a virtual visit and treatment, a sort of a 360 degree, degree view of treatment for a patient. And so that's sort of one aspect that might not necessarily be completely innovative, you know, in a different setting, but in the healthcare context, I think it could be very innovative. When thinking about what technology disruption might be available to us, I actually think that remote diagnostics and machine learning algorithms and sort of data-driven approaches to better understand patients, their behaviors, and what those behaviors and decisions make on our future are really important. One of the things that we've been researching at PwC is this concept of a digital twin. And essentially, in other industries, a digital twin allows you to model out what might happen with, a, let's say, an airplane engine or a Formula One car, or what might be the impact of decisions. But let's put that in the health context. What might be the impact of your decisions of more sleep or more sugar or more exercise? And how might that change the way cost of care is driven within the region that you live? And so I think that the data, the analytics, the algorithms that we can create around the data and analytics tied with the decisions that we make as individuals will be a real asset to us as patients and consumers and actually will allow us to reduce the cost of care long term. 
Well, I think that's a great way to end and certainly some food for thought. I mean, a digital twin with the with the prediction portion of that and the care coordination with the how do we do it and how do we actually help people improve their health. So those are great thoughts to end on in terms of thinking about the future of healthcare. So with that, Gapreet, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Trina. Really appreciate the time. Yeah. And Trina, co-hosting again, great to have you as always. And for those of you that would like to get more information about some of the topics we were talking about, as Trina mentioned at the top of the podcast, this is all based on our top health industry issues of 2021 report. And that's available on the website at pwc.com forward slash HRI. And this has been Next in Health. This podcast is brought to you by PwC, all rights reserved. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates and may sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.